1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Well, we're still in this series on faith and prayer. And for a couple of weeks now, we've been talking about, you know, I just, uh, I'm in the Gospels for the second time this year. And between last night and this morning, I read the Gospel of John again. And a lot of the allusions we're making in the last two or three weeks are right out of the Gospel of John. It's in the Gospel of John where Jesus said repeatedly, I say what my I hear my father saying, I do what I see my father doing. Uh, I'm about my father's work. That's all in the Gospel of John. And so we've been saying the last few Wednesday nights that Jesus knew who he was and Jesus knew why he came. But in the same way that he knew who he was and he knew why he came, we can know who we are in Christ. We're new creations created in Christ. Christ Jesus. So it's a revelation to a lot of people that we we have his nature. Man, I wanted to avoid that. When you read through the Gospel of John, I mean repeatedly. Repeatedly. He talks about loving one another. I mean... It's in the Gospel of John where he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. And so I just said we have his nature and the Holy Spirit, you know, of course, prompts me to go down a path that I I would rather not get into. But if we have his nature, can we really run around trash talking other Christians? And uh, I think it's a grievous evil and we need to avoid it. You know, we've got folks watching from all over the world and people in Australia and New Zealand, they're not even hardly allowed to go outside. In Italy, they can't collect a paycheck without a vaccine passport. Uh, We've got a pastor friend in Canada in jail tonight for holding church. Uh, But Austin wrote the nicest letter today to a pastor that has been horribly criticized because of his response trying to navigate these waters. Because you understand every state's different, every country's different, counties are different, cities are different. And uh, I lived in Africa. I I don't think I'd want to... I mean, I'd feel perfectly safe disobeying in Arlington, Texas. You know, man, we got lawyers. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know that I'd be wanting to do that in Africa. Do you understand? And a pastor that we know in Africa has been horribly criticized for his response. Um, If we have the nature of Jesus in us, then are we really the kind of people that ought to be having our mouth running all the time? 
And, and it's one thing, <laughs> you know, it's one thing, I think, to badmouth a politician because, you know, they, we could handcuff them all and put them at the bottom of the Atlantic and nobody would notice. <laughs> but should we really be badmouthing brothers in Christ? And let me tell you a secret. There's nobody you're going to agree with 100%. And so do we agree on the basics? Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus was the son of God. Jesus died for our sins. God did not suffer Jesus to see corruption, but raised him from the dead on the third day. Jesus ascended and is right now at the right hand of Father God. Do we agree on the basics? Well, then we can set some stuff aside. We can overlook things. Am I helping anybody? Yeah, so don't tell your neighbor, don't be running your mouth on God's people. You know, they come to Jesus on one occasion and they say, well, there was somebody over here preaching in your name and, and we told them to stop it. Jesus said, leave them alone. How about that? That's some good advice. You know, just, you know, leave, leave people alone. Amen. Because Jesus said, if, if whoever's not for me is against me, whoever's, uh, whoever's, well, it was right there and then it disappeared. Uh, but he said, leave them alone. Don't, don't be running around policing everything. Tell your neighbor, it looks like you have enough trouble <laughs> policing yourself. Amen. Amen. And uh, so if they're preaching Jesus and they, they're not just doing it exactly the way we do it, well, at least they're preaching Jesus. Amen. 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 And leave them alone. Amen. And, uh, and, and let's not run our mouth about pastors and how they're handling their local authorities because we can't relate to it. We can't relate to it. I mean... You know, and like I said, you know, here in the United States of America, in Texas, in Arlington, I would feel perfectly at ease disobeying and, you know, because we got lawyers. But that's not like being in Australia. I mean, they're, 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 they're choking people. They're, they're using, not pistol whipping people, they're using rifle butts to smash in the heads of people. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm going for that. Amen. So, you know, we, let's just be kind. Let's be gracious. How many of you want the Lord to be kind to you? How many of you want the Lord to be forgive, for, forgiving toward you? How many of you want the Lord to be gracious toward you? Well, maybe then we ought to turn around and, and sow those seeds. Amen. Now we can have our personal opinions. We all do. But that doesn't, you know, you're not obligated to go tell everybody what you think, even though that's the thing in 2021. Sue asked me today, she said, are we really all 12 year olds and we got to tell everything we know? I said, well, apparently yes. But you know, we ought to be more mature than that. Amen. Just because, just because you know something doesn't mean you need to tell it. We have his nature in us, or we ought to. We ought to. 
And I just read last night, the woman caught in adultery. No, that was this morning because it's toward the end of John. He was gracious. Now, he did say, go and sin no more. But he was gracious. He was kind. Amen. So we ought to have that spirit about us. Amen. So there's, there need not be anything mysterious about our walk. We can know exactly who we are, and we can know our place in the Father's family just like Jesus knew his place in the Father's family. And we can be about our Father's business just like Jesus was about his Father's business. Jesus said in John seven twenty nine, I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. I think that's where we left off last Wednesday. You know, I live that kind of a life. I, I know who sent me, I know where I'm from, and I know where I'm headed. And that's also why I'm not afraid. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So where's the fear in that? Where's the fear in that? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To live as Christ. In another place, Paul said, to live as Christ, to die as gain. So in other words, if I'm living then I'm, I'm, in, I'm acting out Jesus in my, in my time frame, in my age, in my generation. And when I cross over, well, then that's gain. Either way, we win. Amen. Now, we're not trying to get up a load tonight. I realize we all have dreams and goals and visions and aspirations and all of that. But you need to reorder your dreams and visions and goals and aspirations. You need to reorder them. Amen. Because uh, the world has changed. Amen. And uh, you might have to be happy with seeing the Grand Canyon instead of the Eiffel Tower. You might have to reorder some priorities here. Amen. And frankly, I'd rather see a, I'd rather see the inside of a Dairy Queen than to see a lot of that stuff around the world that people travel to. Amen. In fact, you know, that would work out really well. <laughs> So Jesus told his disciples that he was from the Father and he was returning to the Father. Now, you and I are not from the Father in the sense that we're, we're not from heaven, but we can be from the Father in the sense that we're, we minister to people, we lay hands on the sick. When need be, we cast a devil out of somebody. Can you see that? In other words, we're not from the Father in the sense of Jesus from heaven, but we are from the Father. We ought to be from the Father in the sense that we, we bear salt and light. We, we help people. Uh, we witness to people. We pray for people. We lay hands on people. Amen. Now, you have to understand, when I started out, I didn't know, I didn't know any of this stuff. I was preaching... I think it was in Monterey, Mexico. And, uh, you know, I was just preaching evangel. I was preaching like I'd been taught. I was preaching an evangelistic message. And I get to the end of the message and I heard these words come out of my mouth. And when they came out of my mouth, I looked around like, where did that come from? Who said that? I said, Jesus will heal the sick tonight. And if he doesn't heal the sick tonight, everything I have just said is a lie and you ought to forget it. Well, once the word was out, I had to roll with it, right? And I did. And man, we had signs and wonders and miracles. And then I learned. See, I learned. In other words, I didn't start out knowing all this stuff. I learned as I went. And then we, of course, we read about this. Uh, 
the end of Mark's gospel that, that he confirms the word with signs following. He doesn't confirm men. He confirms the word with signs following. So when you get the word out there, signs, wonders, and miracles are going to happen. We can know our Father. We are born again, and God is our Father. We may know our Father as surely as the Master knew him. Now, there's a sense there where we ought to walk in intimacy with our Father, but do not mistake him for a therapist. So he is uh, my Father in the sense that you know, I heard Dad Hagen say once many years ago, he, he's, he's my best friend, and, and I don't know that I was at a place in my life where I would even venture to say that. But I know this, he knows more about me than anybody. And I talk over with him things that I don't talk over with anybody. But don't mistake him for a therapist. Don't go to him and, and, and whine and cry and talk about how you feel. He's not interested. Somebody might say, well, he ought to be. Well, he's not. The only, the only thing that he relates to or that he's listening for is his own word. Amen. Amen. And so I can, I can go to him and tell him how I feel, and nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. Actually, I don't even know from First John that I'll even be heard, but I know this, that when I rehearse his word to him, I'm heard, Amen. and I receive. Amen. And, uh, and you can talk to him. You can talk to Jesus. You can talk to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's fairly often, I thank the Holy Spirit, that he warned me about time, February 3rd, February 4th of 2015. Fairly often, I tell him, a million years from today, I'll, I'll, I'll thank you for that. Amen. Because I just got refocused. So you can fellowship with them. But I'm, I'm saying, don't mistake them for your therapist. Tell them how you feel and you know, uh, how somebody's uh, abusing you and using you and, you know, Lord, you ought to do something about it. And, you know, it'd be fine with me if you killed him. And, you know, in other words, don't, don't be doing all that because no good will come of it. Go to him on the basis of the word. And if you can't find word for what you're praying about, well, you shouldn't be praying about it. Amen. So, if you start the day with him, then you walk in fellowship with him. When you awaken in the morning, you can whisper softly, good morning, Father. Here is another day for me to live and to walk with you. My family just, I guess they tolerate me because when we're on vacation, they know they can do this, they can do that, they can, go, they can have a party, they can go to breakfast, they, whatever they're doing, but they know I'm not doing anything until I pray. And it's just me. And they just have to roll with it. And since nobody's paying my bills, they have to roll with it. <laughs> and uh, now I do make exceptions. For example, there are certain places where I might eat breakfast and then go pray. But I'm not like going to some social event. I'm not going to get cleaned up. I'm not going to do it without praying. It's just my habit. You don't have to do that. Dad Hagen used to pray in bed. Ain't no point in me praying in bed. Fred Price used to pray at night. I don't like praying at night. I like to pray in the morning. I like to, I like to pray and spend time with God before I get in trouble. Amen. So whatever problems confront you, you can consult with him. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Father God, the Holy Spirit, is uh, you can be at work 
And you don't even have to talk out loud to communicate with your father. Amen. A lot of times when you see me praying for people, you'll see me pause and I'm listening. Amen. And sometimes in the middle of an offering, you'll see me pause. Sometimes in the middle of a message, you'll see me pause. Uh, And I'm listening. And he speaks to us. He speaks to us. I'm 65 years old. And I have never, I've never had the Lord speak to me. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I've never had the Lord speak to me in an audible voice, but I can't say that because I believe it was 1985 when he appeared to me at the property up there at I-30 and Fielder Road. Of course, I heard him with my natural ears. But generally, it's in here. It's our spirit man. And Sometimes he doesn't say words to me. Sometimes I see things. I see a picture of me doing something, and then I go do it. A lot of times in a healing line, that has happened. First time I ever pulled anybody out of a wheelchair up at I-30, that's how it happened. I'm coming down the prayer line, and while I'm praying for these people, I see myself down there, take a man by the hand and I didn't pull him out of a wheelchair. I just gave him a helping hand. Then he got up out of the wheelchair. I just saw it. And then when I got down there, I just did it. To be fair, I learned that from David, David Yonggi Cho. At first, he thought it was Satan harassing him in the middle of his sermons because he would see himself doing things after the sermon. And then over time, he realized, well, that wasn't Satan. Why would, why would Satan show you how to heal the sick? That was the Holy Spirit. So... In other words, he was preaching the word and the Holy Spirit was dealing with him while he was preaching the word on what to do when he was done preaching the word. Now, if you're new to the church, you may think I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a spiritual person. Spiritual people freak me out. (laughs) But I am changing and... Did the Lord always speak to me while I was ministering the word? Or is it just in recent years I've been more tuned into that? See, I don't know. But a lot of times while I'm speaking, he's speaking to me. That's how we went down those crazy paths this last Sunday. Because he has things on his mind. You understand, I can, I can study and I can pray and I can write a message. But the Lord's got things on his mind. And the Lord's got things he wants said because people amongst us are making mistakes and those mistakes are going to cost them later. And the Lord loves his people. So the Lord wants certain things said. So the Lord will speak to the speaker while the speaker's speaking. But I don't know, did he always do that with me? And I'm just more tuned in than I used to be. I don't know. But I know this, there is an urgency that there never was. And I think because the days are darker than they have ever been. Liberty, the light of liberty is diminishing. And the darkness of tyranny is descending. And so I think there's an urgency that I've never known in my life. Amen. John 3.30, uh, Paul, excuse me, John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And I think that we need to think like that and we need to talk like that. 
I mean, not, not to the world. You understand, when, when I talk about confession, I'm not talking about going out here to the world and confessing stuff. I'm talking about amongst your own, among, amongst the tribe. You know, I just read this afternoon that when Peter and John got arrested, they went back to their own company. You know, they didn't go to their blood relatives. What was be the point of that? Uh, they went to their own company. And they prayed. No whining and crying. John, Peter, they didn't say, oh, they, they, you can't believe how mean they talked to us. No, they didn't do any whining, crying. No, they, they went back to their own company and they prayed. And God must have heard them because the place where they were praying was shaken. So it'd be good for you once in a while to stop and say to your father, thank you, Father God, for ability. Thank you for giving me wisdom to deal with this problem. And I learned from Lester Summerall one night in my house several things to never confess. And one was confusion. He said, don't ever confess you're confused. And, and, and stop saying things like the world says, you know, can't win for losing, all of those sayings. Don't talk like that. Jesus in you is authority over demonic forces and even over the laws of nature. And you have authority. You have authority. Now, I'm not talking about doing anything spooky or weird, but you have authority. If there's stuff going on in your home that you know is not right, you have authority. You have authority. I don't know how many times. We used to have back up at I-30 and then the first few years here, from 2000, no, from 1985 forward, we had 5 a.m. prayer. And so it was every day. Now it's Friday, Saturday. But for, for most of the history of this church, it was every day. Why don't we still do that? Well, because there's really no point in me and Aaron and Austin coming up here and praying. <laughs> Amen. Because, you know, in other words, people's schedule are more free Friday, Saturday. So that's why we do what we do. But uh, I, I couldn't count how many times I get up at 4 to go to pray at 5 a.m. prayer and uh, Sue is outside one of the kids' rooms praying. So you can, get a, you can get a lot of work done spiritually praying that you can't do screaming, yelling, you know, threatening, whatever. And you have authority. And you, you can rebuke Satan and t- command Satan. It's either called the authority of the believer or the believer's authority in the cafe. Kenneth Hagin's book, you ought to get that. We have authority. You don't just have to put up with Satan running a roughshod over your children and your health and your money and your work, your job. You have authority. Tell your neighbor, you have authority. Jesus said, Mark 16, 17, and 18, in my name, you shall cast out devils. You shall cast out devils. It was really sad. Summerall told me, Lester Summerall told me that a famous, famous, famous minister asked if he was home and if he'd be home for the next day or two and could I send somebody to you to cast a devil out of him? And some all said, well, sure. So he flew this guy all the way across the country in a private jet and some all cast the devil out of him. Then that flew him all the way back in a private jet and some all told me, said, amazing. A guy that's successful in the ministry, all that money, to have enough money to have a private jet, and he doesn't even know that he can cast the devil out of somebody himself. So you have authority. You don't have to, be, you don't have to take people to somebody else. Now let me say a word about that since I'm on that. 
If somebody likes their devil, there's nothing can be done about it. First time I, I mean, I, I was taught that, I was trained that, but the first time I came across that was one night in Mexico City. There was a guy sat six, seven, eight rows back, and I mean, you could tell, man, he was weird, but he was like weird plus. In other words, it, wa it wasn't like natural weird, this was like spiritual weird. And so two or three nights go by, and he's watching me. Well, he comes up, and uh, I'm not sure if that's the guy that hit my interpreter. It was. Yeah, I, I turned to say something to Sue, and just apparently it was God, because, man, he, he did a roundhouse, hit my interpreter, and, you know, I thought it was hilarious. But, uh, <laughs> but he liked his spirit. I said, you like your demon, don't you? You like your devil. Oh, yeah. Well, see, nothing can be done about that. So you do not have, you do not have authority to run roughshod over the free will of other people. But I'll give you a good way to pray about other people. And this works. You do have authority to say, you have authority to rebuke evil spirits in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth from interfering with a uh, and you name them. And then this really works. This is very effective. One of the most effective prayers we've ever used on any situation. And that is you can, you can say, Father God, in Jesus' name, let that person see. Open their eyes and let them see. Because a lot of times people get committed. They get committed. They get committed to wrong relationships. How about, how about prescription drugs? See, it must be okay, right, because you got a prescription. But prescription drugs are just as dangerous as illegal drugs. I mean, you can get just as messed up on prescription drugs. But somebody, I just read that the other night. The, uh, the prodigal son came to his senses. You can pray that. Father God, let them come to their senses. Let them see what they're doing to themselves. Because, see, change is not going to happen in somebody's life until they want it. I've been doing this 48 years. I mean, I know I look good. But I've been preaching the gospel 48 years, and if I have learned one thing, it is this. You cannot make another human being do anything. I mean, how many, don't raise a hand, but I bet there's women here tonight can testify, but you can't make a man go to work. I mean, you know, you cannot make another human being do anything. And that's why I just read that the other night, that we're supposed to be cautious in friendship. People, here's what I told my daughter when she was dating. I said, people can change, but generally they don't. People can change, but generally they don't. And so if you're here tonight, you're single, that was your word. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So listen, there's not, and I mean what I'm about to say, there's not one thing out here we need to be afraid of. There's not one thing out, you don't have to be afraid of anything. We used to have a Porsche convertible that we would move around the country and vacation in. And I don't remember how we got up there, but we were in Glacier National Park. So we said, let's go over to the Canadian side. Man, those days are gone. And because uh, now they won't even let you leave. So I'm not going anywhere. They don't let me leave. 
which is why I'm never going back to Brooklyn. That's a story. But uh, so Prince of Wales Hotel, Waterton Park, I think it was called. And we go down, walk into town one night for to eat dinner. We're walking back. <laughs> and, and we hear a big noise over to the right. We look over there. Well, it's a bear. And uh, I know my wife. So I took hold of her. I said, don't run. <laughs> don't look at it. Don't run. But you don't have to be a... Now, if it were a lion in Africa, I might not have been so cool. <laughs> but it was North America, and it was not a brown bear. It was a black bear. So to be fair to all things, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to misrepresent anything. If it had been a brown bear, I might have run. Because <laughs> I can run faster. <laughs> but it was a black bear. So, you know, you got to build, you got to work up to, you know, to new levels in faith. Amen. And, uh, but you don't, there's not one thing out here you need to be afraid of. Amen. You don't need to be afraid of the, uh, the politicians. You don't need to be afraid of a virus. You, there's not one thing. Just ask yourself, would Jesus be afraid in this situation? Amen. And you have your answer. Amen. Because he wouldn't be afraid. I just read the other night where uh, he was so kind. He was so gracious. A leper came to him. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, so kind, so gracious, not only said, I am willing, but he stretched out his hand and he touched the man. Now, Compared to leprosy, this is nothing. Most of you have never seen a leper. There was a leper used to sit outside the post office in Nairobi. I'm telling you, it's horrific and it's communicable. And uh, But Jesus, fearless, so kind, so gracious. Yes, I'm willing. And then stretched out his hand and touched him. So you can be fearless. Amen. It's not, the, it's not the will of God that you be afraid of anything. These are facts. We know these facts from the word of God. So we're not to be afraid of life. We're not to uh, face life with, the, uh, with fear in our hearts. We're to face life as victors in Christ. Say it out loud. I'm a victor in Christ. Now you sit here and you take all this for granted, but I've got people here that have worked for me for decades, and they'll tell you, there's not one thing we did here that was easy. There's not one thing, there's not one thing here we did that the city wanted us to do. But we just did it. I don't know how many times people sat in my office up at I-30 on buying, just buying this land and said no. And then when we got to the building, it was worse. The largest church lender in America came from California. He was the regional guy from a bank in California. I'm not saying he came from California, but he worked for people in California. He said, ain't nobody going to lend you the money. We never did one thing that was easy until I just read that testimony Sunday. 2015 crossed over. Everything's been easy since. Hallelujah. And it was based on giving a gift. But I'm saying... You don't have to be afraid. 
Amen. Amen. You, you just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. But you don't have to be afraid. In the morning, you can take stock. You can say, Father God, you and I are going together. You can say to yourself, I have his ability, his wisdom, his love, his grace, and his strength to meet every issue that confronts me. I've done better in recent years because I'm leaning on him more than ever before. I used to, I still rely on my own good judgment. But I don't rely on my own instincts so much anymore in dealing with people. I find myself doing things that I would never have done before. Mercy, grace, forgiveness, love. This is who God is. And the more time we spend with him in prayer, then this is who we become. Now, you got to take care of business. There's a man sitting here tonight I remember when we bounced him out of, uh, it was Cathedral Christian Academy back then, but it's St. Paul's now for an infraction. But he's in church tonight. His family's in this church. Amen. I asked him why he did that. He said, well, I, 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 wa I wanted to get kicked out. I didn't like the rules. But guess where he came home to? But I'm saying, you got to take care of your business. So you might have to let somebody go. But you can do it in kindness. You can be gracious. You don't have to tell them what you think. You don't have to prophesy their future. Hallelujah. You can be kind about it. Amen. People have no idea People have no idea who they're dealing with. They have no idea. They have no idea the kindness and the grace. We want to be more like him. So we have physical strength for everything we're doing today. We have wisdom to meet every issue. We have love to handle every provocation. I mean, because people can provoke you but we can have love and grace to handle it. Amen. And you do realize, right, if you give, if you give people a piece of your mind, your, the, your mind gets smaller. <laughs> and when you walk like this, your prayer life becomes a realistic thing. You're dependent upon him. Sometimes you don't know what to say. The thing to do is pause and listen and wait, and he'll tell you what to say. Amen. A man was telling me just yesterday, he was working at my house, and he was telling me about a lawsuit and, you know, lawyers against him and insurance company against him, and, and he represented himself, and the Lord told him what to say. The Lord gave him ideas on what to say. The Lord gave him ideas on what kind of argument to pursue. I said, well, you know that's in the Bible, right? Jesus said, don't be alarmed when you're called before them because the Spirit will tell you what to say. You'll know what to say. Jesus had no sense of fear. Jesus had no sense of lack. Jesus had no sense of want. He said, you give them something to eat. And they, the disciples said, are we, go, are we to go and to spend that much money on food? 
that would take eight months of a man's wages. They had it with them. They didn't say, we don't have that much. They said, are we to go spend that much? They said it would take eight months of a man's wages. But Jesus had no sense of need. Jesus had no sense of lack. You do realize, right? It's Wednesday night. You do realize, right? Fear is how they control you. So if you don't have any fear, you can't be controlled. Amen. 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 And that's why everybody should have been doing this for the last five or ten years. Now, we're not to put our trust in money, but it just makes it easier when you got a few nickels. Amen? Amen. It's, it's harder for them to bully you when you got some money saved up. Do you understand? And now I'm not saying we look to that. It was in uh, Jeremiah's day, they threw their gold in the streets because there was no bread to buy. And if this guy keeps doing what he's doing and his, you know, transportation secretary stays on his, you know, honeymoon, uh, we may not have any bread to buy. We got preppers in the church, and now they're going to have the last laugh, you know, with their chickens and all of that. Pastor Gene and Sue may be over there, you know, getting us some eggs. I don't know where this is all headed. <laughs> Amen. But fear is how Satan controls you. When your children start misbehaving, fear is how Satan controls you. If you know who you are, I'm talking tonight about knowing who you are. Jesus knew who he was. You can know who you are. I'm not a victim. This whole thing is ridiculous. They put on the news, you know, you know, big headlines, 10% own 92% of the stocks. And so I put something on social media, you know, uh, newsflash, uh, there's no law against you saving money. There's no law against you investing money. And there's no minimum. You can go to most places, you know, with 50 or or $100 and open up a brokerage account. And you can't believe the hate I got back. So I, you know, I took it down because I thought, well, you know, be poor. What difference does it make to me? <laughs> Amen. All my needs are met. But we live in a victim-minded culture. So you not wearing a mask can make me sick and you not getting the clot shot could make me sick and your children could make me sick and you know I'm, I'm getting what I'm getting to protect me but I'm not counting on that because if you don't take your vitamins my vitamins won't work and if you don't have your umbrella up my umbrella won't work but see the man or the woman who knows who they are. They don't fall for any of it. Because we know who we are. And we are not afraid. See, most, most Christians live their lives by sight. I'll tell you something else too, it's obvious. Most Christians don't read the Bible. The mistakes people make, they're not reading the Bible. Because it's all in there. But most Christians are walking by sight. I think it was yesterday. 
If it wasn't yesterday, it'll be in a day or two. We'll cross a hundredfold return on the $15,000 we gave Jeremiah and Julia Thomas on their church. Was that two August ago? Yeah, not one dime of it came from Faith Christian Center and not one dime from anybody at Faith Christian Center. It's amazing. It's amazing what you can do when you have no fear and when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It's amazing. But it's through fear that the world controls people and it's through fear that Satan controls people. He's standing there before Pilate, you know, and the Jews are saying, crucify him, crucify him. He wasn't afraid. He was not afraid. The man was not afraid. The son of God was not afraid. Thank God, thank God, thank God. He wasn't like that guy. They just put a uniform on this week. Oh, he had bailed in one half or one second. The Bible says in Luke's gospel that he set his face like flint to Calvary's cross. He was going. He was not afraid. I forgot which gospel, but he said, he said I think it was to Pilate, he said, he said, I could call for a legion of angels. See, in other words, he wasn't walking by sight. If you're walking by sight and you understand the Romans didn't conquer the world with kindness. They were brutal. And there's never been a death penalty ever invented by man more cruel than crucifixion. But he was not afraid. He was not afraid. And Abraham, we don't get the full gist of it in Genesis, but we do in the book of Hebrews, the, the, the commentary in Hebrews on the story of Abraham. That, that Abraham reasoned that if he put Isaac to death, God could raise him from the dead. He was not afraid. He was not afraid. Fear is how they control you, and fear is how Satan controls you. And if he can't control you with fear on you, then he'll try and control you with fear with regard to your children. Let me tell you something else, too. When, when you have symptoms in your body, don't go down the road of fear because when you go down the road of fear, you're defeated already. Amen. When you have symptoms in your body, know who you are Amen. and exercise authority. Amen. Amen. And if it comes back, well, see, as long as you have the breath of life in your lungs, you can, you can fight again. And then trust the Holy Spirit of God. Trust the Holy Spirit of God. I had a little challenge going on, and, and just last week he said, just add these couple of words to your regular prayer, prayer list. He told me where to add those words in my prayer list. And I mean, I'm, I'm talking about two or three days, then that issue is gone. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. Lead you beside the still waters. Lead you into the green pastures. But, but don't be afraid. And... He's telling me to remind, to, to, he's reminding me of something to tell you that Kenneth Hagin used to teach. Get out of the habit of going to doctors first. Most Christians, because see, they're walking by sight. 
They'll go to a doctor. They'll go to a second doctor. They'll go to a third doctor. When, when, the, when all hope is gone, then they'll go to God. Reverse that and go to God first. Does that make sense? Number one, I don't want to make an appointment. Number two, I don't want to sit in a waiting room. Number three, I ain't wearing a mask. Number, I mean, I could have a list of 10 things. And then how about this? The, the Lord never charges. <laughs> he doesn't charge for house calls. Amen. And, and why would he call himself the great physician if, if he weren't the great physician? Amen. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. Amen. He's a savior. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and I'm not saying don't go to a doctor. I mean, we get our teeth cleaned, you know. We, we, I believe in maintenance, you know, take care of yourself. But um, go to God first. And once you win a battle or two or three, it's game over for Satan. Amen. Because he knows he can't run you. Amen. And this thing on money, let me tell you what, I just finished the, the Gospels a second time this, uh, this morning. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about anything. I mean, it's pretty amazing. He talked about hell three times as much as he talked about heaven, but he talked about money more than he ever talked about hell. And God's people are like, you know, what? Because money, money, John Osteen used to teach it this way, money is important because we need it every day. It, we handle it every day. So if, if, we, if we're not right about money, we're going to be wrong. If we don't have a right attitude, if we don't have a right spirit, we're going to be wrong. Sitting in my living room that night, some all, <laughs> I was really embarrassed. I was a young man, but I thought I was doing a good job. And he leaned across that coffee table and he said, son, I, I got to tell you, you're pretty weak on offerings. I was horrified. I was horrified. And then he taught me about money. He said, he said, Jesus said, where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. See, and he said, if a man's not right with his money, that man's not right. Money's a big deal. But my point is not to teach on money, but to say Satan will use money to run you. Satan will use money to put fear in your heart. My point is fear. If you know who you are in Christ, you can't be run by fear. Amen. And you understand all these people doing all this stuff, these are little people who are months away from being in hell. Months. I don't get it myself. You know, okay, somebody's trying to become a billionaire on this, you know, and and uh, doing all this. I, I don't get it. Somebody's up in their 80s. You, you'd think, man, they'd be going to a prayer meeting. You, I mean, uh, but they're not believers. They're not believers. But what's the point of you, even then? See, this is the spirit of man. Money, 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 power, power, power. There's not anybody here tonight, and I've told you to do anything. Do what you want. Now, I'll stand here and tell you what the word says. But it's a wicked, evil thing when human beings try and control other human beings. Now, I'm not talking about your two-year-old. You got to control them, amen, for everybody else's sake. Amen? But I'm saying it's an evil, wicked thing. So Jesus, and, and 
you can't find one place where Jesus tried to control anybody. See, that's the spirit of Satan. If he's in me and for me and I have his word, well, then there should be a sureness about my life. And that offends people, I know that, but I can't help it because I know who I am. If he's in me and he's for me and he's with me and I'm walking with him, why shouldn't be uncertain and afraid and intimidated? I should not walk along as a blind man feeling my way along like I don't know. I should walk erect. I should keep pace with the momentum of life around me. There should be an absolute certainty about my decisions. Now, that's more true in the spiritual realm than in the natural realm. When I remember that Father God is my all-sufficiency, it makes no difference what the problem may be. He is there. He'll help me handle it. I may not think I can handle it, but he'll help me handle it. You know, a year ago when Governor Abbott did the executive order, we were uncertain what to do. I mean, we had never faced this before, all the rumors about this being man-made. We weren't sure. We wanted to be good citizens. We wanted to be law-abiding citizens. And then on top of that, frankly, we were working to get the church paid off, and I didn't feel like racking up a quarter of a million dollars in legal bills. And uh, so we complied. But, you know, I mean, I'm praying. And it becomes obvious what this is and what's going on. So you just come through it. God will give you wisdom. Amen. God will give you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. And you'll know what to do. You'll get stronger. See, you don't fear adversity. And let me say something else too for, for those of you that have children in the home. About four or five years back, maybe further back than that, the Lord started warning me, don't complain when your grandchildren get sick. He specifically, several times, he said, that is the way I designed the immune system. He said, when they, ke- when they get sick, I mean, right now I've got, well, not, not right now, a week ago, I had three different grandchildren with a common cold, but I, I'm not compl- you'll never hear me complain about it because the Lord told me that's, that's the way I designed their immune system to make them stronger. Okay, so what he was doing was he was preparing me for this. Can you see that? See, if you'll pray, if you'll take time to pray, he'll be life coaching you today about stuff you're not even going to face for three or four or five years. So that when you get there, you're going to know exactly what it is, what it's not, how to conduct yourself. Can you see that? Because he knows what's coming. You and I don't know what's coming. Is there anybody here that would have believed when Trump did his lockdown guidelines in 15 days that we would be here 20 months later in this mess? We don't know what's coming. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly what's coming. Amen? Amen. I mean, I'd like to know when the rapture's going to happen. That would be a really great, valuable piece of information. But he's not going to tell me. But he knows. He knows where it's all headed. But I don't know. So he won't tell me everything. See, if he had shown us all of this when we were young, we wouldn't have gotten here because we would have been so freaked out. 
We would have made all kinds of mistakes we didn't make, but he'll, he'll lead you. See, he'll lead you. He'll show you the next step, the next step, the next step, the next step. And then one day you look up and you think, oh my gosh, look how far down the road we got. But I don't have time to think about that or rejoice in that or celebrate in that because now he's leading me somewhere else. And it's always going to be a good place. So, Father God is my sufficiency. He meets my needs. I have his guidance. I'm assured of his presence. And he won't, he won't let me fail. Over and over and over. I don't remember the chapter. Many, many times in my life, he gave me a, a promise out of Isaiah to enlarge the place of your tent, to stretch your tent curtains wide, and you will not fail. Oh, my gosh. We bought that land up at I-30. It was nothing, but in, in, in real time, it was a big deal. We built that building. Oh, my gosh, we borrowed every nickel they'd lend us, and we didn't have enough to finish. There was no carpet in that building when we moved in there except in the nursery. The second floor was shell space. I mean, the kitchen was shell space. I mean, everything we've done. It's been, it's been a reach until recently. But he, he led us, he, he guided us, he provided, he provided, he provided. Where God guides, he provides. Amen. Let's quit with this, Isaiah 41.10. Whenever we even feel like being discouraged, his word whispers to us from Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will withhold you with my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. You know, we ought to memorize that, don't you think? So do not fear. Tell your neighbor, do not fear. So do not fear, for I am with you. See, why would I fear if I, why would I be afraid if he's with me? Why would I be afraid if he's with me? I'm not a spiritual person, so when I talk like this, don't think I am. But I'm just reporting facts. A few years ago, I remember coming around there. I, it's not a path I would normally walk in the morning, and what I was doing over there, I have no idea. But uh, I was over on the garage side of the master side of the house, and just for a moment, just for a moment, sometimes angels will let you see them just for a moment, but just for a moment, I saw an angel standing there, and it was outside the garages on the master side of the house, and he was maybe eight, nine feet tall, but he was dressed for war. Mm -hmm. Told me a lot. And then one of the reasons back, I think it was 2016, I just knew the Lord was coming because I'd go to sleep at night and I would close my eyes and I typically pray while I'm trying to sleep and there'd be this, this glow over here to the left and I'd look and, you know, nothing there and then I'd, I'd try and go back to sleep and there's this glow over there and I'd look, nothing there. And, but two or three times I would glance over there and he would let me see him for just a moment. These things mark you. See, when I was a young man, when I was a young man, and uh, somebody not like a sermon back up at I-30 and come out there in the fellowship atrium and get in my face, maybe I didn't have the confidence I have. But I've seen these guys. See, I'm standing here two and a half feet from you. Now, I don't know where they are, but they're here. And, and they probably wonder why 
we don't dispatch them. The Bible talks about dispatching the ministering spirits of God. And, and they're probably standing around wondering, I wonder how come this dummy doesn't ever give me an assignment. <laughs> Is it Second Chronicles? In one night, one angel, one night, one angel killed 185,000 men. That's the power. See, I'm not talking about like your brother-in-law. I'm talking about bad boys. Psalm 91 says we've, we've all had angels assigned to us. So why would we be afraid of anything? Back to Isaiah and we'll quit. So do not fear for I am with you. I'm with you. So now don't, don't get weird and don't get spiritual because as bad as any angel is, that's not as powerful as the Holy Spirit being with you. Do you understand? So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Say, lift both hands. Say, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. You strengthen me. You Say it again. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. You strengthen me. I will strengthen you and help you. Thank you, Father God. You help me. Thank you, Father God. You help me. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Say, thank you, Father God. You uphold me. Thank you, Father God. You uphold me. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.